Jesus and His Word are the answer for every issue in your life, as Pastor Ed Taylor explains. Friends, I think if we want to make a difference in the world, and I know we do, we need to obey Jesus here. We truly need to examine our lives and obey Him. You don't need to worry about obeying Him in this coming week. And you don't need to worry about obeying Him in this coming month. And you don't need to be concerned about obeying Him in the coming year. Jesus makes it really simple. Just right now. Just today. Just, just where we are now. That we would take of Him. That He's, I know maybe your family's turned on you, but Jesus hasn't. And I know maybe you're unemployed, but God has provision for you. This is amazing grace. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're going through the Gospel of John right now, verse by verse, and we're in chapter 6, learning how to feed on the Lord. In verses 41 through 59, Jesus is stirring us to yield control of our lives to Him. And maybe that's just what needs to happen in your life. Here's Pastor Ed. I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Notice verse 49. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He ties in the whole picture of manna in Exodus chapter 17 again. And you'll remember, God provided for the children of Israel as they left Egypt everything that they needed. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their sandals didn't wear out. They received a, a pillar of cloud by day to protect them from the heat and a pillar of fire by night to light up the way and give them warmth. And that's how God led them. He led them not only through Moses and Aaron and the leadership, but also supernaturally. God was taking care of them. And not only did he give them food and clothes, I mean, not only give them clothing and heat and warmth and protection, he also gave them food. We saw that last time. The Bible called manna angel's food. It was some special substance that was specifically made and created by God to meet every nutritional need in their bodies. And he would give it to them. All they needed to do was bend over and pick it up. That's all they needed to do. Every day it was given. And on the sixth day, they were to get two portions, one for the sixth day and one for the Sabbath. That's all they needed to do. The problem was, is that if they didn't want, if they didn't want to pick it up, then what they would do was trample underfoot the provision of God. Well, not only that, you'll recall in Exodus chapter 17, that in, when it came to the manna, there came a point in time with the children of Israel where they murmured and complained about it. It wasn't enough for them. They, didn't, they weren't satisfied with it. They were discontented. They actually wanted, there was a couple of occasions. One, they wanted to go back because they remembered the onions and the leeks and the garlic in Egypt. You know what they forgot? The bad breath. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. They forgot the, the slavery. They forgot the bondage. They forgot that their families died in Egypt, that they were working their tail. They forgot all of that. 
But oh, we wish we would go back to Egypt and we could have the onions. And, and, and it's, by the way, it's a thing you got to be really careful of is, as maybe a time of discontentment comes into your life and you start thinking back to the old days before you were saved, you know. Oh, I miss the old days. Nobody calls me to party anymore. And nobody, here I am on a Friday night and I've got my Bible. Wow, you know. It's just one of those discontented times. It's not normal and regular, but those seasons where, and you think back, you go, maybe I could call my friends up, and you know, I won't go party with them, but I'll go hang out with them, because I miss that. And, and you'll be selectively remembering, won't you? Because, you know, you think back and you go, oh, I miss those Friday nights, but you forgot Saturday morning, don't you? You forgot Saturday morning when you woke up and Bugs Bunny was on the TV there, and you were laying in your own vomit. That was pretty. That was great. You want those or just the days of hangovers? Oh, yeah, you forgot the hangovers, didn't you? You forgot the hangovers. Remember, you had so many hangovers that they fired you and you lost your job. Over, oh, yeah, those were good old days. They're not good old days. Today's the good old days of what God wants to do in your life right now. You want to be careful with discontentment comes. But not only that, we also see this. We also see the, the reality of with the manna that God provided all that they needed, all they needed to do was take it. And Jesus saying, you guys know how God connected the nation of Israel with manna? Well, well they ate it and they're dead. I'm offering you living bread. I'm, I am the living bread and I'm offering you eternal life right here. I am the source and the solution for everything in your life. And they didn't want it. They're murmuring and complaining here. Which leads me to a couple things if you're taking notes. Let me give you a couple things to consider. Number one, what we see here is that the, the religious rulers and the Jews here have what I call selective hearing. And so number one, we can all have selective hearing. Did you know that? We can all have selective hearing. Well, we'll hear what we want to hear. For instance, in Bible study, you could listen to Bible study, listen to Bible study, listen to Bible study, and actually never hear what the Lord has to say to you. And you're a Bible study person, and you're listening and watch, but you're never really hearing what the Lord is trying to say to you. As a pastor, I see it happen all the time. It might even be in the context of a Bible study here. And the Word of God goes forth, and then you come up because you're kind of bitter, and you're upset, and, and you've got stuff going on, and you come up and go, Pastor, I don't know about this, and Pastor, I don't know about that. And, and as I'm ministering to you, I'm like, did you, not, were you, did you come for first service or second service? That's one of the questions I'm going to ask. Because if you, were you here at first service? Yeah, I was here. Well, did you not listen to the Bible study? Because the Holy Spirit answered that for you. He spoke a word to you. It wasn't even in my notes. I can't even send you my notes because I went off on something and that was just for you. Just this scenario right now. And you, well, you know, I don't know. I didn't hear. I wasn't. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the response is. But the reality is, is you can listen, listen, listen and never hear. You read the book of Revelation. First couple of chapters. Read it for yourself. How many times does God need to tell us? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Not just listening, but hearing. So we can all have selective hearing. It's happened to every one of us. Number two, selective hearing almost always leads to complaining and murmuring. Back to the McDonald's illustration. They gave you 40 fries instead of 45 fries. And you counted them. And you know the size and you know what you had. And, and uh, you know, it just stirs up in you. I paid for these fries. Two whole dollars. I paid two whole dollars for these fries. What kind of pe-? You know, you start complaining and murmuring and whining and... And what good is it doing for the kingdom of God? Do you know the Bible actually says, do all things without complaining and disputing or in another place without murmuring and complaining? How the enemy loves to, and your flesh loves to rip you off by getting you into a complaining spirit. 
an atmosphere. You know, over the years, I've noticed being a technology person myself, I get, you know, I try to be involved in all the latest technology. And of course, uh, Facebook is something I've been connected with for many years now. And over the last five, six, seven years, I've just seen the, the ratio, especially of people that I know, um, of their complaining just go through the roof by posting all this stuff on Facebook. I can't believe that such and such happened. And, and what kind of world are we living in? And what kind of, it's like we're living in a world where Jesus wants to meet people with the gospel. That, there's your answer for that question. And then whatever you want to complain about, you got to understand that complaining only breeds what? More complaining. So who shows up on your Facebook wall? Who have you invited over? Well, you know what? They gave me 37 fries last time. I don't like that McDonald's. And, and uh, you know, that, our kids are working at those McDonald's. So you're complaining about the very kids that are in your church. Where, is that from the Lord or is that from the devil? Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear an answer. Um, like, uh, what, what, what? And we do, don't we? We do complain and murmur. We do get upset. We, we right after first service, you know, first service was overflowing today because of something happening this afternoon. And what that means in our church for us is it means we have big parking problems. We have parking problems getting in here. We have parking problems getting a space. And we have parking problems getting out. And the enemy would just love even just a few minutes you're going to be heading out. And the enemy in the flesh would just love for you to get up some major issue with a person you just laid hands on to pray for because of parking and cars and, and then you know you have a little thing you pull over and you go oh, oh well God bless you brother you know <laughs> but the things that we complain about I know I make light and I certainly know I am bringing a little exaggeration into the picture for a reason the days are short the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is at hand our brothers and sisters are dying martyr deaths around the world and we have been given much and the Bible says to whom much is given much is required and the last thing we need is to be standing in the presence of Jesus murmuring and complaining and finding ourselves in not a useful place for the kingdom of God because if his church is off track then who will help the world who will be the light of the gospel Jesus is laying before them. They're in the presence of Jesus. He's giving them the words of eternal life. And they're murmuring, complaining. And even in verse 52, notice, they're quarreling. If you like to write in your Bibles, just circle that word quarrel. And right next to it, war. Or heavy contention. Because that's what the Greek word means. They're warring over this. And quarreling instead of accepting and abiding. So number one, you have, we, can have, we all can have selective hearing. Secondly, selective hearing will often almost always lead to murmuring and complaining. And then thirdly, murmuring and complaining almost always leads to spiritual blindness. Where we just don't see what the Lord sees because we're so caught up in ourselves. Lord, forgive us for being caught up in ourselves. Forgive your church for not praying and not interceding. And not being people that are sacrificing, dying to ourselves taking up our cross and following you. That's what it's all about, truly, our lives. What our lives are about are extending the love of Jesus on the earth today in very practical ways. Not arguing, not murmuring, complaining, and certainly not being spiritual blind. You go, well, does that happen to believers? It does. Listen, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9 says, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten he was cleansed from his old sins. So the goal of every gathering and the goal of every study and the goal of every time we get to get together uh, is 
learning, like verse 45 says, learning from the Father, being drawn to the Son, drawn to his love, drawn to his faithfulness, drawn to his ministry, his mercy, his compassion, everything about him. It's all about Jesus. You know, when Calvary Chapel is mentioned, there's often a phrase that's mentioned with Calvary Chapel. And, and it's not a bad thing, but when you think of Calvary Chapel and the movement of the churches uh, through the years, you often hear Calvary Chapel associated with the uh, Jesus movement. Have you heard that before? It's a great association where a revival came, not to Ireland, not to England, not in Europe, not on the African continent, but a revival came in the United States of America among a whole generation of lost hippies and their parents and their kids and God, a wave of work that we haven't seen that in 40 years came to our own country of what we pray for again in the next generation. And they called it the Jesus movement. And, and I think it's an appropriate work. Jesus was at moving and churches like Calvary Chapel, churches like the Vineyard, there are many other churches that were involved in the Jesus movement. It wasn't just one church and one man that God used. He used multiple churches, multiple people, and it's a glorious thing. But I want to let you know, and I suggest to you, that the Jesus movement didn't start in the 60s. The Jesus movement predates the 60s on backwards into eternity. And the very beginning of the creation of the world, even before that, Jesus was moving, and we're still part of that move today. We're still part of the Jesus movement today. It's not, we don't need to wait for a revival. We don't need to wait for a move. We, we just need to cooperate in what the Lord is doing and live for him. Just like um, Luke said when he wrote in the book of Acts, in chapter 1, verse 1, he said, these things, the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, we're still a part of that today. And things that Jesus is doing were appointed before the very foundations of the earth, the Bible says. And Jesus is offering them himself and they refuse. They'd rather argue, murmur, and complain instead of humbly accept. So, verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're stuck. This is the same thing that people argue about today. Is Jesus being figurative or literal when he says this? And let's just answer that very easily for you. He's using figurative language when he says to eat of my flesh. He's not sticking his arm out and saying, take a bite. Neither is he teaching on communion, although I see communion involved. Nor is he teaching necessarily on the cross, although I do believe that's involved. He's teaching on something much deeper than just the, the death and resurrection, which he teaches at other times. And he's teaching something much deeper than just the components of what communion will be, which he'll explain later at the last Passover meal he shares. What he's speaking about is a deep abiding relationship with him where he is our all-sufficient supplier and he alone provides our daily sustenance and our daily spiritual strength through relationship with him, not religion. That's what this eating is. And there's nothing wrong with food. We need it. We take it in. But just think about how much you've thought about it. Think about what you're thinking about lunch or what snacks you're going to have at the game or what we're we going to do. And now I'm not going to be, I'm going to fast tonight. So now I don't really need to be concerned about it. You, you think about food. Now translate that and go, is that how you think of the things of God? I mean, are you that concerned about being fed by God? Are you that concerned about being satisfied by God? Are you that concerned about taking in and eating the very flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood as he says? Notice, most assuredly I say to you, verse 53, that unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. 
He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father, verse 57, sent me, and I live because of the Father. The same relationship he has. He says, now, because of that, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. I think we can grasp this idea of feeding on him in two places. First, going back to Genesis and looking at our ancestors, Adam and Eve. When they were in the garden, the father was everything to them. They enjoyed him. They got all their direction from him, all their insight from him. They got all their comfort from him. They got all their safety, all their security. That, that the Bible uses the phrase, they would, walk in the day, they would walk in the cool of the garden with him. It speaks of this sweet fellowship that they had with the Father. They were given full domain over the Garden of Eden, except for what? One fruit off of one tree. They could have it all. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, stay away from that one. You can have everything else, but stay away from that one. But instead, tempted by the devil, Eve and Adam both took of the forbidden fruit and wrecked their relationship with God. Completely wrecked it. You know what we call that today? We call that being separated from God because of your sin. Another way in modern day of looking at it, sin wrecks your life. And that's what happened. Now no longer are they walking with God in the cool of the day. What are they doing? Running away. Now they see they're naked, so they're trying to cover themselves. And on top of that, they're trying to hide from God as if they could hide behind a rock and ha ha, you'll never find me here. And what does God do? He calls to them in the garden, calling what? Back to relationship. You're not coming to me anymore. You're not looking to me anymore. You're not enjoying me anymore. You know, when Adam and Eve had a problem, they could come to the Father and it would be solved. If they had a question, the Father would give them knowledge. If they had a need, God would provide that need. After sin, They ran away from the very source of their substance in life. And Jesus is bringing us back to that. He's saying, you and I were born wrecked by sin, separated from God. And the only true solution for us is to repent of our sins and come back in relationship where we come to the Lord with every question and we come to the Lord with every need and we come to the Lord with every difficulty and we feed on him and we receive from him and we trust him and we live for him and that he is our life and we're not being taken away and we're not being distracted or all the other things that come into our lives that even when we are, we come back to that life is more than food and my life is more than clothing and life is more than the latest thing and life is more than our job and life is more than the money in the bank that life is all about people that's what jesus is bringing us back to he says you eat on my flesh and drink of my blood this is intimacy come back to where adam and eve were and i think practically we understand because we can't live without food period we can't live without food and drink we can't physically we'd never make it if you live without food for a prolonged period of time your body starts to starve And if you live in the condition of starvation long enough, your body dies. That's just the way it is. Spiritually, it's the same way. Spiritually, you and I can't live without food. And so Jesus isn't saying, come and eat, you know. He's not teaching cannibalism here. He's teaching surrender and yielding of your lives and my lives to him. And friends, I think if we want to make a difference in the world, and I know we do, we need to obey Jesus here. We truly need to examine our lives and obey him. You don't need to worry about obeying him in this coming week. And you don't need to worry about obeying him in this coming month. And you don't need to be concerned about obeying him in the coming year. Jesus makes it really simple. Just right now. 
just today, just, just where we are now, that we would take of him, that he's, I know maybe your family's turned on you, but Jesus hasn't. And I know maybe you're unemployed, but God has provision for you. And I know you might have some difficulties in your mind and you might describe your life as struggling and you've got this besetting sin. I know that, but Jesus gives you the power not only to will, but to do according to his good pleasure. You see, he's the answer for every issue in your life. The word of God is not some wooden, stoic, dusty book on a shelf. The Bible says of itself that it is the very word of God, living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the only book that you can open, and when you read the words, it will give you life, very life in places that are dead spiritually. And we as believers, you know, we think, we see that video, you saw that video up there. I know the statistics that we watched earlier about our high schoolers, they flashed on really quick, quickly, but if you saw some of them, you know, they're just thinking about what the kids are doing to themselves. Uh, this whole thing of self-harm, you know, cutting and stuff, that, that, that is not... When I was in high school, that did not exist. I didn't, we didn't do, you know, we weren't thinking about hurting ourselves. We were hurting other, we were just going to hurt other people. That's how we dealt with stuff. But now the enemy's just got kids so inward and so focused that they're willing to harm themselves in order. I mean, it's just a bizarre thing. You need to pray for this. It is absolute deception because it's, I'll harm myself so that I can relieve myself of the pain. That's the thinking. And one of those, one of the things that we see with that action is that we need to help that, that disciple, that precious girl. And we need to help disciple that guy to learn how to feed on the faithfulness of God. That he has the answer for even the pain of that divorce, the pain of that bullying or name-calling of the things that kids do. They, they have the pain of feeling out like an outsider and knowing that you're not an outsider. You're greatly loved of the Lord. You don't have to be a teenager to face that kind of stuff. It's common with adults as well. Why? Well, because we've left the very source of our satisfaction and we are not yielding our lives, even in the pain and the difficulty, to the God that loves us. This isn't new. Let me then end with this passage. Would you turn over to Psalm 37? We're going to get to John 15 eventually because really what Jesus is describing here, he's also going to describe in John 15 when he says to abide in me and I'll abide in you. There's a beautiful teaching on abiding. But check this out. This whole idea of feeding on God is not a new concept. In Psalm 37, we see this very theme developed. Psalm 37. Pick up with me in verse 3, would you please? Jesus is teaching of so much more, challenging you and stirring you to yield control of your life to him today. In verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and notice, feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Amen to that. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. This is not new. The psalmist was learning himself to feed on the Lord and on his faithfulness. And Jesus picks up on it. He says, man, I'm it. I'm the living bread. I'm the bread of life. I'm the answer. I'm the solution. And I'm how you get and experience eternal, abiding, age-abiding, satisfying life. And that, my friends, is a great, great thing to meditate on this week. And learn how to feed on the Lord. Amen? 
This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this study in the Gospel of John a second listen, just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. You know, it's one thing to get married and a whole other matter to stay that way. And today we'd like to recommend a book written by Steve Carr called Married and How to Stay That Way. It contains a wealth of practical solutions all based in the Bible, written in a counseling style with practical encouragements from start to finish. It even includes discussion questions at the end of each chapter and a study guide. It's a great book to go through with your spouse or in a small group Bible study. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and your giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also request this and other resources online at calvaryco.store. If you just like to make a donation and you're not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another study in the Gospel of John coming up next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.